Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our weekly Bible study and current event study for October 18th, 2007. And today we're going to segue back into a topic we started, I think, a few weeks back. And if you could put a title on today's sermon, it would be called The Occult Roots of Abortion. Now, I had a man email me, and he said that really the proper term is not abortion, but aborticide. So, I think people pretty much know what I mean when I say abortion, but I guess more technically, if we get real technical, it's aborticide, which is actually a more accurate way of, of talking about this. Um, this is from a guy, uh, an article by Eric Holmberg and Jay Rogers, and um, I'm just going to be basically reading some excerpts from this and making some comments along the way. But this is important that we understand this as Christians. What are the actual occult roots of abortion aborticide? Uh, how do occultists, particularly those in the know occultists, feel about this procedure? Because when you start to see how they feel about this procedure, you're going to start to see incredibly how wicked it really is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's already obviously wicked, but it's something that occultists view in such a way that it's going to be very surprising for you to understand this. But it's also very, very biblical. This confirms the Bible, what we're going to be talking about. And um, I'm just going to start off here in the introduction, and it says, this is from, these are some quotes from Patricia Baird Wendell. She's the founder and the owner of Aware Woman Centers for Choice. Now, you'll see that a lot. It's, you know, it's my choice. It's my body. As a woman. But really, when you think about it, when a woman becomes pregnant, yes, that separate body is within her body. But what gives her the right to destroy that body within her body? Because it's a separate body. What gives her that, you know, that you've seen the, the bumper stickers where it says, um, you know, it's not a choice, it's a child. And that's essentially what, you know, a lot of the, the uh, pro-abortion people will, will promote to you. That, you know, you have no right to tell me what I can do with my body. Well, that's one thing, but the, th the fact remains is there's a separate entity, another body with a soul and a spirit inside you. What gives you the right to take that life? We can go round and round with this, and I think we have before in previous teachings. But this Patricia Baird Wendell, founder and owner of Aware Woman Center for Choice, oh, isn't that a nice name? She says, quote, you practice your religion and let me practice mine. End of quote. And then she says, my religion is a holy ritual child sacrifice. End of quotes. So let's, let's just reiterate that again. This is the lady, she's the founder and the owner of a Aware Woman Center for Choice. Okay, so obviously a pro-abortion uh, organization. And this is the lady that found it, she's the owner. And she says, you practice your religion and let me practice mine. And then she says, my religion is a holy ritual child sacrifice. Now what an abominable statement that is. Holy? There's nothing holy about child sacrifice. It is the largest, I believe, the largest abomination before God that you could possibly commit. 
I think you can prove that scripturally. Uh, it's one thing to be a sodomite with another consenting sodomite, but it's another thing to slaughter an innocent baby that doesn't have a choice. You know, Jesus talked about if you offend these little ones which believe in me, it's better at a millstone hung about your neck and you'd be cast into the midst of the sea. So what kind of curse is a woman bringing on herself when she aborts her own baby? Now, I'm not saying there's not forgiveness from that. Okay, at one time I was pro-abortion because that's how I grew up. My mom, to this day, gives money to Planned Parenthood. But we don't get in arguments anymore. Because when I had, um, when my little girl was born, Taylor... What I would, uh, we, the last argument that I essentially had with her is where, you know, we got into this issue, and she essentially uh, was telling her how she felt, and I said, well, Mom, I said, um, I bet you're glad I didn't have to take that stance and abort Taylor. And then she shut her mouth, and we've never argued about it since. Made her see, you know, what if she had aborted me? And I honestly think that there was I, I, there were some indications that I was I was um, unexpected and not too much wanted, and I could have been aborted easily, particularly knowing that my mom gets money to play impaired. I don't think it would have been a big stretch. Um, you know, you can just keep carrying this back. You're snuffing out life, is what you're doing. You're playing God, is what you're really doing. You're basically deciding who lives and who dies. What right do we have to do that? So, this is how this woman that, that, that founded a Aware Woman Center for Choice, my religion is a holy ritual child sacrifice. I, I just pray God that, that, you know, these women that would utter such a, an abomination, such a blasphemous statement, I pray to God their mouths be shut. I really do. I pray that the Lord would judge them in this lifetime, as in Psalm 64, where it says, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God that they would wisely consider of His doing. That great fear would fall on the Christian and non-Christian as a result of what He would do to judge this industry in particular. And I'm not saying I want every, every one of them to go to hell. I'm not saying that. But God knows the beginning from the end. He knows who's going to ultimately go to hell and who's ultimately going to go to heaven. And if somebody is bound for hell, like the majority of the people we're going to be talking about today, unfortunately, they're essentially witches. If they're bound for hell, wouldn't it be more merciful for God to judge them in this lifetime? And I don't necessarily mean kill them, but what if he judged them and they got right with the Lord? But without that judgment from God, what hope is there of ever getting right with God? Do you think they're going to, in and of themselves, wake up one day and say, Oh, well, I'm just going to be a good person. This abortion thing's for the birds. Not unless there is severe judgment in this lifetime will there be any hope of them ever waking up. And that's no guarantee they're going to wake up and get saved. But, by God judging them, other people may look at that situation and fear God and actually get right with the Lord. And you can prove this all throughout Scripture in Acts, where, where Ananias and Sapphira were killed. What was the fruit of that? Well, the fruit of that was great fear fell on the camp, and many got saved. So, there's really no downside to God's judgment in that regard. God's judgment typically breeds fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord breeds meekness. 
And God says, that this, to, to whom this man will I look, of him that is of a meek and a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Well, we don't have near enough of that. And I'm not saying I have near enough of it, okay? So I'm not judging anybody that might be listening to this. I think it's something we need to actually pray for. And it's not something you ever hear any, any hardly any preacher ever even mention to pray for. But this woman's come out so boldly to say, my religion is a holy ritual child sacrifice. So, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 11 verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, this is the woman, she's the founder and the owner. This is the foundation of a where woman center for choice. And her foundational religious tenet, how she practices her religion, is holy ritual child sacrifice. So the more babies... I'm not going to call him a fetus. The Bible says, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet to Jeremiah. He says, Before I formed thee in the womb. <laughs> now, we did a study on this, you know, a few weeks back. So, if you want to know more about this subject, you can look at that. Um, he knows us before we were even in the womb. So, I refer to... to um, I refer to these, what other people call fetuses, as babies. Because ultimately, when you're born, you're a baby. And if you snuff that life out anywhere along the way, you're still killing that life. That's what, you know, we're not looking at. You know, it's the insanity of partial birth abortion is where they actually deliver the baby partially into the birth canal and plunge scissors into the baby's head and suck out their brains. That's partial birth abortion. Late trimester. Late third trimester or third trimester. And that's, I don't, I think that was banned. I'm not 100% sure if it's banned or, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, there was some legislation put forth recently. But it's insanity. It's like, it's like, as long as the abortion takes place in total darkness, it's okay. But, you know, if they're going to do that, why don't they just deliver the baby and behead it? It would be no different. If you think about it, I'm not, I'm not saying that's what they should do. But I'm saying that it would be no different. Why don't they deliver the baby that, that, can, be, uh, that can be brought forth and kill it a day later? Why not wait a month? Why, why wait to wait right where we, when you get them in the birth canal? Because it's done in darkness there. Evidently, that makes it more politically correct to do it there. But it's no different then if you deliver the baby and behead it, or if you, or if you kill the baby a, a, a year from then, I mean, there, I've, I've heard those, those arguments that say, well, what if, what if that baby, what if that kid, you know, he's like a three-year-old or, or two-year-old, you know, the terrible twos, and he's giving the mom a lot of problems. Well, should the, shouldn't the mother have that exercise, that option, at that point of maybe aborting the baby when they're two? Oh, we would never think about doing that. The abortion activists, who, which is the ultimate of hypocrisy, because they would never, ever think about doing that. And people that get, mothers that get battered, okay, by a boyfriend or whatever, and they lose the baby, how, how, how the boyfriend can actually be charged for murder and these types of things. Well, we have such double standard hypocrisy going on here. And the Bible says, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. And that's all I'm trying to do, is point out some obvious facts here. Um, you know, you get into an argument with somebody who's pro-abortion, and, and you can ask them, them the question, well, I bet you're glad your mom didn't abort you. 
Because if she would have boarded you, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So you could tell me how you feel like that, that we should be able to kill all babies. If your mom had done that to you, you wouldn't even be here right now. So, if we go further, it says on August 4th, 1992, two employees of Aware Woman Abortion Clinics. Now, this Aware Woman Center for Choice, these are abortion clinics. And on August 4th, 1992, two employees from this same Aware Woman Abortion Clinics that this, that from this, um, that this lady just started, the, of the two quotes I just read, these uh, employees were named Veronica Jordan and Rebecca Morris, registered a non-profit religious corporation known as the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida. Well, isn't that nice? They even have their, you know, their initials, the WRCF, the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida. Now, Wiccan is essentially what most witches would term as white witchcraft. The word Wiccan means twisted or bent. And if you're a witch, you are twisted or bent, typically. I'm not saying that I don't want you to get saved. I'm not saying I hate you. I'm just saying that, that you know, the Bible talks um, in the most severe terms about witches. And in the Old Testament, the Bible says, I will not suffer a witch to live. Um, you know, stubbornness is as the sin of witchcraft. And these types of things. Um, if you were a witch in the Old Testament, it was a death, immediate death sentence. It was it. It was a death sentence, okay? Now, I'm not saying we're under Old Testament Levitical law right now, but I still think God feels pretty strongly and negatively toward witchcraft. Witchcraft is ultimately going to be the crux and the essence of the one world religion that we're moving into in Revelation. Daniel says that the Antichrist will cause craft to prosper. The word craft in witchcraft is called the craft is another way of saying witchcraft. He is going, the Antichrist is going to cause craft to pro- I mean, what do you think the, the, the Antichrist is going to do? Promote being an Episcopalian? Or promote being good Mormons? Now, I'm not saying that there's not evil in virtually all man-made religions, essentially, other than true Bible-believing Christianity from the King James Bible. I'm not... All these other religions have a lot of leaven in them. But, if... If you were the Antichrist, wouldn't it make sense that if you're going to try to pollute the world and, and, and corrupt the world as maximally as possible, and this is what's going to happen, wouldn't it make sense to have the one world religion, the essence of that, to be witchcraft? It says it right there, he's going to cause craft to prosper. Well, it can't be because everybody's going to come underneath the Catholic Church. Well, I believe that's the case, but the Catholic cult is essentially the largest pseudo-Christian cult on the planet, and they do practice witchcraft at the highest levels, no doubt about it. There's all kind of books that have been written on this. Malachi Martin and these types of people. And all you have to do is look at the Catholic religion to understand that it's, a, it's an abomination, abominable knockoff of an unbiblical abominable knockoff of Christianity. Catholics are not Christians. Period. Not even anywhere close. Please reference my, my other teachings I've done on the Catholic Church, if you have any doubt about that. So, these two women from Aware Woman Abortion Clinics registered a non-profit religious corporation known as the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida. Now, this is good that we see this. Not, not it's a good thing they're doing, but it's good when we have this type of tie-in, where we can say, wow, 
Isn't this strange? They got this, they're from a werewoman abortion center, and they're opening up this witchcraft thing. I wonder if there's any tie in here. But see, Satan loves to do things in secret. He's like a cockroach. He wants to be in the dark. He wants to keep people unaware of this stuff. Because most people, if they knew how closely and tightly tied the witch, witchcraft was with the abortions, some of them might think twice. Some of them. I don't know if you know, it's going to sway everyone. Obviously not. But it's going to cause some to think twice. So this was um, the stated purpose of this Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida was to provide an umbrella organization for witch covens throughout the state of Florida. Nothing like having a good umbrella organization for witch covens, you know? What's not the like? So yeah, now when you hear that word witch coven, the essence, the true essence of a witch coven, if you look at it in its purest terms, it's typically 13 witches that will, will meet. And they have their own little, what they call, coven. Um, sometimes they're larger than that as well. But that's the purpose of this organization. The incorporation papers, now they got this incorporated, they're all official. The incorporation papers list two abortion clinic employees as directors of the Wiccan organization. Well, that's a pretty close tie-in. These two, two people that were employees of a where abortion clinic start this organization, Wiccan Religious Cooperative, as an umbrella organization for witch covens throughout the state of Florida. Huh. They incorporate this and make it all real official. Probably have their own um, 501c3 status. Because Wicca is recognized by the government, and it's recognized by the military, actually even Satanism is recognized by the military, as their own distinct 501c3 religious organ. They have the same rights and privileges as any Christian church. These other Christian churches that are also 501c3. All the more reason not to be a part of that system. No time in the New Testament where the Bible ever says, Thou shalt incorporate thy church, and be yoked up with the government, and be yoked up with all these other wicked organizations, so that you can have your tax exemption. People give many times in these churches just so they can write it off on their taxes. What's their motivation? Verily you have your reward, as Jesus said. When you give, let not your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But no, they give so they can be seen among men, they can write it off on their taxes, they can feel good about themselves, they got a little dose of bro cream religion, a little dabble do you, and they can, you know, go and, and, and give their uh, money. And when, you, when you're 501c3, you're yoked up with these other organizations as well. So, if we go further, shortly after the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida was founded, Carol Ebbing, author of a Werewoman Abortion Clinic, another a Werewoman Abortion Clinic employee, ordered the book entitled, quote, The Sacrament of Abortion. The book, authored by Gannette Paris, a witch in France, presents abortion as a, quote, sacred act. Paris calls abortion a sacrifice to Artemis, who refuses to give life if the gift is not pure. Well, let me tell you something. No devil ever gave life to nothing. And when you talk about Artemis and, and, the, and, and the, the deities of child sacrifice, I think of, um, she mentions Artemis, I think of also Lilith, 
Molech, Chemosh. These are these are pagan deities, Baal, pagan deities that were the original um, ones where you originally saw child sacrifice presented, typically. Artemis is just one more of them. So, this Gwinnett, Gwinnett Paris writes in this book of the sacrament of abortion as abortion is the sacred act and a sacrifice to Artemis who refuses to give life if the gift is not pure. Whatever that means. Who are you to determine? I mean, as far as human beings go, when are you in your most pure state? If you really think, I know the Bible says, yes, in sin did my mother conceive me, and in iniquity was I shapen. In Psalm 51, David says this. In these times, yes, we're all born into sin, no doubt about it. But what more time in your life are you more pure? I mean, you're not in there, you know, living like the devil in the womb. But evidently, they can make that leap of logic and, and, and uh, say these things. In January of 1993, the, the, the January 1993 issue of Wiccan Open Circle, now evidently this is their periodical magazine, This newsletter, it described the founding of the Wiccan Religious Cooperative of Florida. Now, this they're being very open about this, and that's why I'm documenting this. So you can see that this is not my imagination here. And so this 90, 1993, January, of the Wiccan Open Circle, it says, quote, A year ago, the dream of an umbrella group under which many covens would function and be committed to peace and harmony... For the good of all. Doesn't this get your blood boiling? Was just that a dream? Let me just read that again. So if you're not fired up enough right now. You know what? You know what this should invoke? Not invoke. That's a bad word. <laughs> it's, it's kind of apropos in this situation. Because witches invoke spirits. But almost what this should provoke in you as a Christian is called righteous indignation. Be angry, be angry and sin not. There was a whole lot of times God got mad. And it was always at sin. I don't think there's anything that gets me more angry than this particular issue. Number one, I was deceived by it for a long time in my life. I was actually, like I said, pro-abortion the whole nine yards before I got saved. That was how I grew up. That's all I ever knew. Ashamed of that fact. But um, now, it's almost like I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm just really... Uh, I, I get really fired up over this particular issue because they're, they're innocent babies and they can't protect themselves. And it's one of the main reasons why judgment is going to fall on this planet. When you, we have, as I had stated before in previous statistics, most likely, and it's conservative, and this is just from abortions, since the early 1900s we've had just about probably a billion abortions. Worldwide. Do you realize all the innocent blood that's crying out from the land? I mean, you talk about sin reaching up to the throne of heaven. I can't even imagine, you know, how God must view this. I can't even imagine. But to read this statement again, this is from the uh, Open Circle Wiccan magazine of 1993. A year ago, the dream of an umbrella organization under which many covens would function and be committed to peace and harmony. What a lie from the pit of hell. What is there peaceful and harmonious about it? Slaughtering a baby. 
You've got to be really sick to equate the two together. Oh, you don't understand. There's too many people on this earth. And they need to die. Who are you to choose who die? Are you going to volunteer first? I see a lot of people say that. I used to be that way too. Oh, there's too many people on this earth. Most of the crises that have been created, number one, are due to, to um, man's own sin. And much of what we are told in the media and these types of things are a direct result of the 13 families of the Illuminati, these controlling factors that are ultimately are controlled by Satan, creating these crises so that humanity will go along with whatever the Illuminati puts in front of us. What is their goal? 95% reduction of world population, according to the Georgia Guidestones, which are like the Ten Commandments of the New Age, and it's the first or second commandment, reads, to reduce world population to 500 million. See, when an abortion takes place, not only does Satan relish that, and he views that as a child sacrifice, and, and witches view this as a way to gain and garner power, and to please their gods like the ones Artemis. But it also accomplishes the goal of depopulating the world. And the justification most of the time is that, oh, there's too many people here, we, are, are, we can't sustain this stuff. There's been um, uh, this one particular graph and said if you took everybody on the planet Earth and you put them inside of Jackson, you could fit every single person on Earth. Granted, they'd be standing shoulder to shoulder, but inside, this, inside the... the um, the uh, city of Jacksonville, Florida. You could fit every single one of them. Every single one on the face of the planet. Now, I understand that's not practical. But the fact is, is that shows you the, the world is a very large place. And the resources are there. It's just that so much of the time the resources are not being put to the proper directions. They're being withheld. These people are trying to depopulate the earth. And in order to do that, in order for people to go along with that, they're making up all kind of lies about things. In order for people to say, oh yeah, we gotta, you know, we gotta have abortion. What's all alternative? All these other things. Again, who are we to, to decide who lives or dies? Another thing. Jesus Christ is coming back pretty soon. I don't think that's going to be a big problem for him. And, and the ills that we have on this earth are directly a result of our sin anyway. But they say that this is to bring about peace and harmony for the good of all. Not for my good. Not for their good either. They're deceived. Their consciences have been seared with a hot iron. According to 1 Timothy 4.1, you know, where it talks about the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. If you believe that abortion is good, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you have given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And then it says, speaking lies and hypocrisy. And that's what I think of when I hear some abortion activists arguing that it's a woman's body, and you don't have any right to tell me what to do with my body, even though they're destroying a body within their own. And God is the giver of all life. Who are you to destroy life that only God can give? How, I tell you what, that's scary stuff. But they, but they make this leap, leap of logic to say it's for the good of all. These are the very same people that have given heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and then the fourth thing that happens is having their consciences seared with a hot iron. They don't have any conscience about this type of stuff. None. 
It's gone. Seared with a hot iron. If you had no conscience, when you went around, things that would normally bother the average person would not bother you because your conscience has been seared. So, for the good of all, and was and that was just a dream, I guess, a year ago, uh, they were, when they were writing this in 93, this newsletter. Then it says, but now it's a reality and a very, very big part of the lives of many people. This is sick. This is this is... This is about as sick of a thing as you'll ever hear, if you really think about it. This issue of the Open Circle, published at the time of pro-life organization, published at the time, the pro-life organization, Operation Rescue National, held an event in Melbourne, Florida. Alerted Central Florida area, alerted Central Florida area, Wiccans and Pagans, quote, Steps are being taken to protect not only a wear woman, but a woman's right to choose. Work is being done mundanely. Now this is from, okay, this is from, uh, this is from this issue of Open Circle, this Wiccan magazine. And they're, te- they're telling the Wiccans and the Pagans, in the central Florida area, steps are being taken to protect not only the aware women. Oh, we've got to protect the witches. We've got to protect the pro-abortion people. Because they need to be protected. To protect not only aware women, but a woman's right to choose. Work is being done mundanely, financially, and magically. And I don't mean Lucky Charms being magically delicious. Okay? I don't mean that. Boy, that's a... You talk about an abominable cereal. That is... Little side note segue here, but think about that. A lucky charm. He got some leprechaun on a box of cereal, clicking his heels, which a leprechaun is essentially a uh, like a witchcraft type of figure. And you've got lucky charms. The word luck derives from the word Lucifer. That's why I don't try not to ever use the word lucky. Oh, I was lucky. You're 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 basically invoking Lucifer when you're doing that or giving him the credit. And then charms, being a charmer or an enchanter, we had actually talked about the actual biblical definitions of what a charmer or enchanter was. A charm is not a good thing, because it implies witchcraft is used. You eat a bowl of Lucky Charms, you're probably about demon-possessed. I mean, I, I'm, I'm being a little bit crazy there, but I'm just saying, a little side note there. Um, but they're saying in this magazine, work is being done mundanely, financially, and magically, to help get through the next few months and beyond. Because they were coming out at this very, very same time with this organization that I had already talked about here as an umbrella organization for witches and covens throughout the state of Florida and to tie this organization in with the sacrament of abortion. So what they were doing is openly... I mean, it was all the connection was always there, but now they're doing it openly, where they're ba- basically bringing the abortion in with the witchcraft, and they're doing it openly. And we've got to protect this because now it's kind of in its infancy right now, and, and we want to make sure we protect this. So these Wiccans and pagans were doing all this to support the abortion industry, a woman's right to choose. And it, I notice I read this, and it says the work is being done mundanely. Well. Mundanely also supplies, also implies the word subtlety, and the Bible says that Satan was the most subtle beast of the field um, when he approached Eve. 
The serpent was the most subtle, which essentially was Satan. So, many times, these things are done under the radar so that Christians will never know about them. And if you never know about them as a Christian, how would you even know to pray about it? Do you realize the only way any of this is going to get changed? I mean, the Lord could come down and change everything. And eventually He is. But the only way, most likely, in this life, because Jesus says, Occupy till I come, you know, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, we have responsibility. Now, some people will actually go to these abortion clinics and pray. I've done that several times. I was just at one the other day. Um, some people will be um, moved by the Holy Spirit to do this or do that or whatever. Unfortunately, most of the time you go to the abortion clinics, most of the time, if you see anybody out there, it's Catholics. Which, you know, they're out there praying the rosary. In front, you know, it's out, they're trying to use witchcraft in order to, to go against witchcraft. Evil cannot go... If a house be divided against itself, it will not stand. And they don't even know they're... It's really sad. Because I've seen some, some, some Catholics at these things, and they really do care. They really do. The problem is, is they're in a religion that's going to take them to hell, and how is God going to really hear their voice? So this really falls primarily to the born-again Christian. The fervent... Effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And these are things that we should be praying about. Praying against. I guarantee you something. These people that are in this, that are Wiccans, that are in these abortion clinics, they're taking this real seriously. Incredibly seriously. Okay? Um, so they're putting, you know, everything, workers be done mundanely, financially, and magically. So see, they're actually working curses against Christians, they're working whatever they're, however they're practicing their particular witchcraft religion in order to ensure that they're going to be able to keep practicing abortion and this child sacrifice, which the ultimate goal is to usher in the Antichrist. When you kill a child from a witchcraft standpoint, there's really nothing higher you can do in witchcraft to invoke devils and demons and fallen angels and these types of entities. There's really nothing that you can do to try to empower these evil entities more than aborting a baby. Oh, now you're really getting off in left field. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places, these types of things. Well, if, the, if our battle is against these type of evil entities, and abortion is the single greatest way to actually invoke and empower these evil entities, don't you think this is something we might want to be praying about? Because they sure are praying about it. This is a battle. This is a battle we're all called to as Christians. Every single one of us. Where none of us are exempt from this. The Bible talks about being a good soldier and these types of things. Fighting the good fight of faith. And, and you know, there's a lot that it makes reference to there. And to me, it really makes the Bible come alive. It really gets me fired up because it's like, yeah, we really are in a battle. And this is the battle. It's being done subtly. It's not front page of the paper most of the time. 
But the Christians have been lulled into such a sleep, such a slumber, such an apathy in this country. And the preachers aren't preaching this stuff. Most of the most of them, not not all, but most of them aren't. The five hundred one C three crowd. They're preaching prosperity and feel good gospel, and everything's going to be primrose and roses and all this other stuff. When this should be one of the main key things they're focusing on, because if you want to just talk about wickedness and abominations in God's eyes, there's really nothing I don't think that that, that exceeds this. So this is incredibly important. This topic that we're talking about. So if we go further, it says, Readers of the Open Circle, this is the Witchcraft Magazine, were encouraged to become, quote, clinic escorts. So these Wiccans and Pagans were encouraged to become clinic escorts, in quotes, and were told how they could help fund the South Brevard National Organization of Women's Program to, quote, help low-income women have abortions. Okay, what does all that mean that I just said? Well, what they were what they were basically saying is is these wit and I mean these these witches are not going to show up in a big black hat with a with a magic wand. They're going to show up looking like a normal person, and what they're going to do is probably go to this person's house and let's say oh well, they're kind of vacillating about well I don't know if I should do this and and and, and the Wiccan is going to talk them into that. They're gonna they're gonna make sure that this abortion happens. Because they think they're doing a good thing. And remember, this is how many witches practice their religion. It's the sacrament of abortion. Like the Catholics have their seven sacraments. Well, this woman wrote this book, The Sacrament of Abortion. At its essence, and we know this from the Bible, child sacrifice is the was, was the uh, most abominable thing ever required. It was the end product of typically when God rain down his judgment. When you start sacrificing your kids, and in the Bible talks about passing your children through the fire. To Moloch. If you look at Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah 11, and Jeremiah 14, where it talks about this very thing going on, in reference to Israel. Now, I'm not picking on Israel, I'm just saying that was the example there. What were they doing in there? Well, they were kneading cakes to the Queen of Heaven, they were doing all kind of abominations in the church, and they, and they were so audacious as to say, we are delivered to do these abominations. They had thought that they were so holy, that they were actually so holy they could do abominations in the church. They had backslid and continually backslid. And then the last thing it talks about is they had, they're passing their children through in the fire. They, they were child sacrifice, which is always, and then God says, I never told them to do any of this. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. But if you read those chapters, you'll see that. And then it finally says, at the very end, it says, But you shall not pray for these people. I will not hear your prayer anymore. So when you get into the, the whole child sacrifice thing, you know, it's a very, 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 very dangerous place to be. I mean, the, the punishment in hell, I can't, I can't even conceive. Hell's bad all the way around, but I believe there's different levels of punishment. And, um, so these clinic escorts, these Wiccans were, you know, to go to the house and to bring them there so they could have these abortions. And particularly to help the low-income women have abortions. Now, in the many times I've set out side of this abortion clinic we have locally, you know, and I'm not being prejudiced, I'm just saying the vast majority of people going in are, um, particularly blacks and, um, a lot of, um, uh, Spanish uh, Mexican, or, or I don't know. Uh, but I would have to say the majority of them were, were um, blacks. And I'm, again, I'm not being prejudiced. I'm just 
citing what I saw, and it's and it's incredibly sad, um, because you know you pray for these girls going in, and you know when they come out, a murder's been committed. It's just been a murder in secret, but that doesn't make it any less abominable in the Lord's eyes. I mean, wouldn't it? What if the Lord rained down His fury on abortion clinics worldwide? I mean, and it was tangible, and people knew it was God. Because God could do it in such a way where all men would see in fear. Would that be a bad or a good thing? Now, I'm not saying rain down fear and every one of the people in the abortion clinics burn up. I'm not saying that, okay? Because I don't advocate these other guys that are going and are killing these people. That's nuts. There's no biblical mandate to do that. But I'm talking about, you know, if the Lord actually judged these places. And did so in such a way where everyone knew it was the Lord. Do you think that that would throw a gigantic monkey wrench into the abortion industry? I think a lot of people, I think the majority of people, would back off. Because what would that, what would that give them a nice healthy dose of? Fear of the Lord. That's what we need in this country. And whatever way God deems so fit is to do it, I pray to God He does it. Because that's the only hope. I mean, Jesus Christ is the only hope. But as far as somebody repenting, they need to have a good, healthy dose of fear of the Lord. And humble themselves before the Lord. Jesus said, unless you humble yourself, therefore as this little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. We need to humble ourselves. We don't get saved being all proud and thinking we're this or that. So, if we go further, it says, Wiccans were also encouraged to work their magic on the area surrounding the aware woman abortion clinics. That's why I go there to pray in a very militant way with fervor. I really do. I will scream. You know what? I have noticed that, that when I really get angry in prayer, and I mean righteous indignation. I don't mean like I'm flopped to handle cuss or anything. I saw this guy on the internet the other day, this, this, I don't know what, I, I'd seen him before. He's a guy, he's got gray beard, hat, gray hair, these big gold rim sunglasses, he wears them on TV. Now, this is a, I think in a little bit older clip. This guy was on TV as a supposed Christian minister, cussing. He was using every cuss word you could imagine. Because some people had wrote in and said, all you are is a money grub and money hungry prosperity preaching, which is exactly what he is, I couldn't even send this clip out to my email list because it was so foul. Of course, they were beeping out the words. But even then, you knew what he was saying. And I was like, you know what? I can't even send this out. He was cussing and saying that God had delivered him to, to cuss and he was right with God and God... It was unbelievable. I never saw anything like it in my life. But that's the kind of junk that goes on in this televangelism stuff. Now that was an extreme example, but the fact remains is this guy was doing it. I don't think I, 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 I don't I got so angry watching that guy I just had to just shut him off. I Oh But these women are encouraged to go to these abortion clinics and work their magic in the area surrounding the Aware Woman Abortion Clinic. This is from this open circle. It says, Many individuals and groups have been helping to magically protect the building and the property. 
This has been done by magical and psychic shielding being put on and around the property. Now what they do is they go in there and they work their, their magic. And what it does is basically they're trying to put a spell on this place, demonic protection or whatever they're, they're doing there. And chances are, boy, by the time a person actually gets there, this, these spells will actually affect the way that... Um, it'll affect the people's mental faculties when they're in there and when they're going in. I mean, if they had any doubts probably before they got there, they're not going to have any doubts once they get on the premise of the property because it's witchcraft. It affects you, your thinking and these types of things. So, in other words, it seems as though the Wiccans and the witches have a much more better grasp on this spiritual battle than the average Christian ever does. We battle not against flesh and blood, remember? but against princes, principalities. See, the witches know this stuff. And they take it a lot more seriously than the average Christian. Oh, this is just too scary for most Christians. What's scary about it? Who? The Bible says, Greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. In other words, the Holy Spirit has preeminence and power over these evil men. This doesn't, this shouldn't scare you. This should fire you up. And if it does scare you, you need to pray about it and say, God, take this away from me because I know you're greater than anything the devil could ever throw at God, This is the same God that created the universe and all the stars and everything else. Is there? The Bible says, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And then, and then chapter 4 that in Jeremiah 32, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No. There's nothing too hard for him. Did you want to say something? Okay, a good question was just brought up in regard to, okay, let's say we go and we're faithful about going to these abortion clinics or, or, or whatever, and or whatever place you're going. I mean, I, and, and um, but you don't see any net effect. You don't see any net gains. You don't see anything fruit from this. Okay? And, and granted, that can be frustrating, uh, knowing the particular time we're moving into. Um, part of it is the fact that the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We know that things are going to get worse before they get better. Jesus also said, Occupy till I come, fight the good fight of faith, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. He said these things. In Jesus' lifetime, he probably felt pretty discouraged too. If you think about it. I mean, he prayed. He prayed, if it be possible, let this cup be taken from me. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it didn't happen. Uh, and it's easy to get discouraged if you go to an abortion clinic year after year, and you're there praying, and you don't see any real fruit. But we are, there, there's a sermon that a preacher, uh, preacher friend of mine, his name is Melvin Sisson, did, and it's called, The Film is Being Developed. And in that particular sermon... Uh, he talks about like when you when you develop a piece of film or a picture, the initial picture when you when you first uh, start to develop, you can't see it at all. You can't see how it's going to really turn out, and that's how our lives are. We the the picture only will really come very, become very very evident at the end, and a lot of times that's how our prayers are. I think we pray about a particular thing, and then it may take years of almost accumulated prayers for that prayer to get answered. And I also view it this way. I view it 
couple different ways. I view that when you pray about a particular thing, and again, it's 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 good also to make sure that when you're praying, that you have like-minded people praying with you. The Bible talks about if one could put a thousand, if like two could put ten thousand. So a unity in prayer makes the prayers stronger. There's other things you can do to make the prayer stronger, like fasting. You, you have to also make sure, and this is a whole other study, you're right with the Lord. Um, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In Psalm um, 66, verse 18. So there's things that we can do to hinder our prayer. But all that aside, if, if we were to pray about a particular situation, and we were praying effectually, fervently, we really weren't seeing a whole lot of results, we don't know how that's ultimately going to turn out. I view it like this. Think of it like this. Your prayers are, are, are being said, and think of it like a big dam, okay, that, that's holding up a lot of water. And as you pray, it's almost like that dam, that the prayers are like filling up the water behind the dam. And you finally get to a point where it reaches what they call critical mass, where the dam can't hold the water anymore, and it falls down. The dam breaks. That was when the prayer is answered. I've seen this happen before with certain things in my life. And when it does happen, it's a tremendous faith builder because you realize that you were praying about something for a long time and it wasn't in vain. Many times I think it's also done to test our faith, to see if we're going to stick with it, keep with it. Um, to, to, um, now remember, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So see, when you first pray a prayer, you're not going to see the results 99% of the time right away. It's the faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for, though. We hope that these abortion clinics, and ultimately we know they're all going to be destroyed. We hope for this. We hope for the coming of the Son of Man, the Lord of Glory, the King of Kings, the Lord. We know that's going to happen as a Christian. It's just a matter of time. It's our hope, but it's also the evidence of things not seen, because it hasn't happened yet. Our prayer, All of our prayers haven't been answered yet. The Lord Jesus Christ hasn't returned yet. That's the essence of faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. How do you get more faith? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's, um, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, in that in that regard, so it's just a matter of, of perseverance, I think, and in, in, in just realizing, you know, hey, the Lord's going to straighten this out one way or another. Um, I think that also there's so few people praying about these situations because they're they're the 501c3 churches have this spell over essentially all of Christendom, most of pseudo Christendom, and there's very few people that are really right with God to pray about these situations. Let me give you an example. You see how these chemtrails fly all over? And again, chemtrails are a whole other different deal, but essentially we're being poisoned from above. Okay? They've isolated the chemicals in these chemtrails where these planes fly over us and, and these plumes that get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the chemicals are things like ethylene dibromide, which is a uh, additive in fuel. They've, they've isolated all kind of bacteria and uh, parasites in these particular chemtrails. Um, aluminum, barium. Essentially what it is, is a big, gigantic mass extermination project. And again, I've said before, what do you think abortion is? Is, 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 it, is the goal mass extermination? 
or to, at the bare minimum to keep the, the population from growing any? Obviously, yes. What is Satan's goal? To kill, to destroy, to steal? Okay? Why should this be such a a thing that we can't... Oh, no, our government can... Why? Why? How could you conceive that? Because that's totally against what the Bible says. It's going to be in the end times. Men will be lovers of them, them own selves. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're deceived every day. All you got to do is open up the newspaper, turn on the six o'clock news or whatever. So many levels we're being deceived. Why, why should this be of any surprise? These chemtrails are not normal contrails. Normal contrails from a jet, what will happen is, is when you look up and you see a contrail from a jet, which is a normal thing that should happen, you see a vapor trail that will dissipate after the plane flies. A chemtrail is things that they're chemically spraying into the sky and the plumes get bigger and bigger and bigger and ultimately, if there's enough of them being sprayed, it makes the sky overcast. Those are chemicals. Okay? Secret government op operations that the government doesn't say a whole lot about. The only thing the government will really say about them is we're doing it because we're trying to, um, uh, I believe they're, they're using the excuse of attenuating global warming or something like this at this point. Okay, now I said all that to say this. With the chemtrails, you know the main way to address chemtrails? When you see them up in the sky? Fervent, righteous, indignant prayer. I am telling you, it works. I have been, when I see them up in the sky, I get mad. I pray, effectually, fervently. I haven't seen a chemtrail in a long time. Now, sometimes it's a lot worse. Sometimes it's like I have to battle this for three or four or five days. And sometimes I don't have to pray about it for months. I haven't noticed them at all lately. None. But I'm telling you, when I drive around this country... Or when I've been around, oh, I did that 14-city tour in May, they were everywhere. When I went up to Ohio one time, they were everywhere, all over the sky. And I'm like, this is really weird because, it's because, and I'm not saying I'm not the only one in this area praying about it. Because maybe there's others in these types of things. I'm not trying to take like all the credit or whatever. But I'm just saying, the fact remains is that I see fruit to that prayer when I pray. But I have to get mad typically, when I pray about it. I really do. And I don't mean mad where I'm cussing. I'm talking righteous, indignant. Be angry and sin not. I'm telling you, that's the type of prayer that works. And I'm not saying I'm the most perfect, righteous man. I'm always right with God because Lord knows if I got what I deserved, I'd get hell. But I'm telling you, I have consistently seen tangible results. And see, with chemtrails, it's so obvious because either they're flying or they're not. With a lot of other things, it's not as obvious. You might pray about, let's say, the abortion issue. There may be all kind of internal strife and turmoil going on within that abortion clinic that you may not even know about as a result of your prayers. But in, in a way, when you pray about these types of issues, and, and, and knowing what I just read here, like, like when I said, when I read, and this is a direct quote from this magazine, many individuals and groups have been helping to magically protect the building and the property, and this has been done by magical and psychic shielding being put on and around the property. See, they take their witchcraft seriously. I take my Christianity seriously. But I know that what I've got is greater than what they've got. My weapons, the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. 
That's what the Bible says. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but the mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. What type of strongholds are we in reference to here? Well, the same type of strongholds that are referred to in Ephesians 6, where it says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rules of wickedness in high places. These are these strongholds that they're in reference to. We have greater power as a Christian. Far greater. Particularly if we're right with the Lord. Okay? And all, let's face it, all of us could use help in that area. None of us are all totally walking in sinless perfection and we're like, you know, none of us are. Okay? So, I'm telling you, but what we have is stronger. I've seen it. I have seen it work. So, when you see it work, what does that do to you as a Christian? Like, when I, when I pray about these chemtrails, and I said this on tour when I was, I remember Newport Beach when I was speaking. I had a question about the chemtrails. And I told everybody this, same thing I'm telling you right now. And they were like, wow, yeah, I never thought about it. When you see the chemtrails, and it's, it's like anything else, it's just that chemtrails are so much more obvious because they're a billboard up in the sky. What we tend not to do enough of, though, is pray about the things like this that are done, like they said, mundanely and suddenly. Little abortion clinics sitting there, it doesn't look like they're hurting anybody. They're, you don't realize the, the horrors that are going on inside those walls. You're not there to witness it. Chemtrails with a big billboard up in the sky. But an abortion clinic is just sitting there as a building. So it's sometimes it's a little harder to get fired up about something that's not so visual. You know, if abortion clinics had glass walls, I bet you a lot of people would be getting fired up. But that's just the thing that we, we have to deal with. So, you know, when I'm, what, what this does is, to me, it makes the Bible come alive. That was only the first page of this. I, I thought I thought I was going to have like, I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to take me to get through. But I think this is a great study. And I know I emphasize a lot with witchcraft. And some people may say, oh, you're giving the devil all this glory. I'm not giving the devil glory. I'm telling you and trying to explain to you that this is what the one world religion is going to be. Why do you think Harry Potter's being shoved down all the kiddies' throats? And all these shows about witch... I had a guy the other day email me all the shows that are based on witchcraft now. Prime time. It's unbelievable. I mean, Buffy the Teenage Vampire Slayer. Charmed. Uh, then there's that one show, The Ghost Whisperer. What a lie from the pit of hell that show is. You know what the theme is on that show every single time? Some supposed loved one that comes back and tries to undo some wrong. And she does it through this Melissa Alano or whatever who can see these spirits and they're just kind of tortured souls that, that need to be released to go into the light. What a lie from the pit of hell that is. Because if you believe one minute of what they're presenting in the Ghost Whisperer, which is the total theme of what they're trying to get us to buy into, then you might as well throw your Bible out the door. Because it doesn't apply. Because the Bible says, is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. You don't get to hang around here on earth and do whatever you want and take care of unfinished business. Okay? You either go to heaven or hell. Period. This, this lie about these loved ones coming back. And what, what does that teach? Well, what if that loved one didn't have any religion at all? What if they were just... Well, that just teaches it really doesn't matter what you do. You can just live like the devil and, you know, you're, we're all going to that better place. Except for maybe mass murders and those guys. You know, they're, they're probably going to a bad place. When you, when you buy into that, you know what you've just done? You've created your own religious system. Which is what a lot of people do. You've created your own religious paradigm and do you, do you realize that you're hanging your eternal destination on your opinion? 
Well, I don't think God would do that. I think God's a good... He is a good God. But he's also a God of judgment. He's also a God of mercy. He has two sides to him. The only way you can obtain mercy is through the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved, you know, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 6. So these are things that we can only obtain mercy through Jesus Christ. We can't do it our way or through our opinion. Our opinions will only get us to hell. So if we go further, 20th century Wicca. Let's give a little history behind Wicca. We, now, we, we, we kind of laid out some stuff here. Now we're going to give a little history of how did it get to this point. In the 1930s, Dr. Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Gardner discovered a, pra, a practicing coven of witches in England. Gardner, an anthropologist, had studied groups practicing religious magic or sympathetic magic around the world, but believed that witchcraft had been extinct for centuries. Gardner discovered that he believed to be one of the last surviving covens in the world. He became a witch himself by being initiated into the coven. He became familiar with the rituals of the ancient religion many of which he believed had survived until the present day. Well, these devils haven't gone anywhere. Sure they haven't. Okay, so at the time, Gardner's discovery, witchcraft, was in fact on the edge of extinction. Wouldn't that have been great? Man, that would have been awesome. It was on the edge of extinction. There were no... But, you know, again, the Bible predicted it was going to be this way, so... You know, it's just confirmation of Scripture. There were no known covens in the United States, and some countries, such as England, had laws on the books outlawing witchcraft. Now, I know it says there were no known covens, but I have a really hard time believing there were no covens. Okay, because it had to come from somewhere, and I think this was just, it went underground. And now it's above ground because of things like Harry Potter and things of this nature, because it's just become one more protected religion now. It's like, any, you know, they have their own 501c3 status. So, in order not to not to violate any hate crime laws and be politically correct, they've got to have their place too. So it says there, there were no known covens in the United States, and some countries such as England had laws on the books outlawing witchcraft. On the publication of Gardner's book, Witchcraft Today, that was his name of his book, he began to hear from many other covens throughout Europe which had also survived. And again, that's just confirmation. If they're there, they're just kind of underground. Gardner spent the rest of his life writing on the religion of Wicca and promoting witchcraft throughout the world. Gardner is responsible, is regarded as the grandfather of modern Wicca, being solely responsible for igniting the flame of Wiccan revival in the 20th century. Basically, this is the revival of occultic paganism. Okay. One of Gardner's followers, Raymond Buckland, who was initiated into the craft, remember they always refer to it as the craft. Okay. And remember, the Bible says the Antichrist will cause craft to prosper. So Raymond Buckley, who was one of his followers, was initiated into the craft one year before Gardner's death in 1964. Introduced Wicca into the United States in the 1960s. Okay, so this is the guy that brought it to America. Gardner and Buckland believed that in the modern day Wicca, the rituals of the ancient earth religion had survived. Says Buckland about the Wiccan religion rituals, quote, although we don't know the exact format used by the witches of old, it's certain that centuries ago, many of them living far from any village or coven, 
followed the same sort of procedure in dedicating themselves to the gods in whom they believed. You know, Satan, Satan is going to show them what they need to do, essentially. Okay, even if they're isolated, I believe, from other parts of society. These spirits can still communicate with these people, regardless of if they have a, a witchcraft manual 101. So then, okay, then what exactly is modern-day Wicca? Modern 20th century Wiccans draw their religious ideology from the Mother Earth cults of the Celtic and Nordic peoples of pre-Christian Europe. Now, we talked a lot about the Celts and the Druids, who were the high priests over the Celts, in our study on Halloween. Okay, so if you want to know more about, and you talk about wickedness, you talk about human sacrifice, you t I mean, every single thing that comes out of Halloween, every single tradition is all wicked. It's essentially known as Satan's birthday. It's the day when they, it's basically the occultic New Year. It is the day where they believe that the veil between the spirit worlds are their, at their thinnest. And spirits can transverse back and forth the most, you know, very easily. But this is where Wiccan gets its foundation from essentially the Celts and the Druids and the Nordics. So, right there, like, like the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? In a paper submitted to the Council for a Parliament of World's Religions, now, get this, this is a Council for the Parliament of World's Religions, and this is a paper submitted by a, I believe a witch named Michael Thorne. Now, when you talk about the Council of Parliament for World's Religions, this is going to be one of the main uh, organizations that brings about the one world religion. Okay, and they're all going to be on the, the same playing field. Okay, ultimately, I believe you know, witchcraft is going to rise to the as the umbrella organization over all these because essentially all modern man-made man religions are just different types of witchcraft, a little bit repackaged. Okay, and even the ones that call themselves Christian, there's a lot of stuff going on there that shouldn't be going on. This Michael Thorne writes in this letter to the Council for the Parliament of World Religions, quote, Modern witchcraft, or Wicca, is the most common expression of the religious movement known as neo-paganism. Its practitioners are reviving ancient pagan practices and beliefs of pre-Christian Europe and adapting them to a contemporary American life. Wiccans focus their liturgy and worship around a goddess or a god. Rituals and services are timed to the phases of the moon and the wheel of the year, the solstices, the equinoxes, the days following midday between these, such as May Day and Halloween. Most witches treat their practice as a priesthood, somewhat akin to the mystery cults of classical Greece and Rome, involving years of training and passage through life-transforming initiatory rituals. End of quote. So let's just, let's just kind of go through this again. Um... This guy's writing to this council on uh, Parliament for World Religions, and basically saying this modern-day Wicca is just a reviving of, of the ancient witchcraft. Um, and they're just trying to repackage this into more the modern-day American life. If we go further... Uh, he says the rituals and services are timed to the phases of the moon and the wheel of the year. Now, this is something that all occultists heavily practice. They observe days and times and years. The Bible condemns that. Okay, it does that in Galatians. And that's when the, the Jews, 
who were um, be, had become Christians wanted to go back into all the old bondage that they were in. Okay, they wanted to kind of put themselves back in that same thing. And Paul said, "I'm afraid of you." He says, I, "You observe days, times, and years. I'm afraid of you, lest I bestowed this labor on you in vain, because Christ is a better covenant." Okay. Well, witches are very, very incredibly superstitious. They do everything by um, times and days and years and these types of things. That's how they practice their religion. Halloween is probably the, considered the highest night of human sacrifice. Um, I've also heard that May Day, which is May 1st, which is in their occult calendar called Beltane, um, that that is... Um, considered the highest satanic holiday. May Day was the day that the satanic church was actually founded by Anton LaVey in 1966 on Beltane. Okay? So, it was also the date that the Illuminati was actually formed by Adam Weishaupt in 1776. So why when we, when, we, when we see the year 1776, they say oh, it was the year the Declaration of Independence was signed, but it was also the, the year that um, a few months prior to that that the Illuminati was formed. Okay, so that's a whole other study. But suffice it to say, they're very superstitious. They do everything by moon cycles, solar cycles, uh, planets, days and times. And this is how Satan has them practice their religion. Okay? It's just the way they do it. Raymond Buckland explains what is, what is known as the Wiccan Reed. And that's spelled R-E-D-E. Wiccan Reed. All witches agree on the ethical code quote, and harm none, do what the, what ye will, in other words, do what you believe is right, but let no one be harmed by your actions, end of quote. Now that is really a bunch of junk. Because how can you, as a, as a witch, I mean, think about it this way, think of how hypocritical that is. Does that apply to like when these witches go and put magical spells around abortion clinics so that their, the mothers can go in there and slaughter their babies? Oh, hold on, it said don't harm anyone. Oh, well, that's not really a baby, it's a fetus. That's your stinking opinion. And your opinion is dead wrong. That's a baby. I don't care if it's two years, or two years in the womb, two months in the womb, or nine months. That is a baby in God's eyes. Before he formed us in the womb, he knew us. Is the bottom line. And I've done other studies on this. So you can reference those if you want more scripture. Because there's tons of it out there. They're such hypocrites. Because everything they do harms others. You can't practice witchcraft and not harm others. You can't practice witchcraft and not bring not only a, really a curse on yourself, but on others around you. I've been around witches. God has had me around and exposed to so many witches, you wouldn't believe it. I have had witches try to destroy me. I have had witches try to seduce me. I have had witches do all kind of stuff. I believe God's put me in that position so that I would understand this battle is real and that I actually could help anybody because to believe it, this really is our real battle, isn't it? Isn't it a spiritual battle we're in? Isn't it against spiritual principalities and wickedness? How do those principalities and rules of wickedness in high places, how do they work? Do they just work independently apart from humans? 
Not typically. Typically they work through a human. Either oppressing them or flat out possessing them. And in witchcraft, they actually asked for these demons to come into them and possess them. Many times, they beg for this. Because that's how they know they gain and garner greater power. But the more they come into you, the more control they have over you, and the more they require of you. And the more that you don't do what they want you to... I've heard of, of a lot of people in witchcraft actually, um, you know, getting... Uh, physically, like, beat up by these entities because they didn't perform as they, as, as they were supposed to for Satan, ultimately. And again, that's a whole other study, but you know, how hypocritical. Now, this is where we get this, uh, you know, do what you believe is right, but let no one harm by your actions. Originally, you hear that from Aleister Crowley, who was reputed to be the most wickedest man on the earth. He was the great beast bragged about how many little boys he sacrificed and, and had sex with. The guy was beyond sick. Okay? He died a heroin addict. Um, I tried to watch a documentary on him one time. I, I, I was sick. I was sick by the end of it. It was, a, it was a documentary. It wasn't like, you know, cussing and stuff like that. It was on, I don't know, it was on PBS or something like that. I was sick when I was... It was the, the man's life was so vile, it wasn't even funny. But he's the guy that... Um, so much of the modern-day pagan revival stems from, from Aleister Crowley. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, the, the hard rock singer, wrote a song about him called Mr. Crowley. And, and the Beatles idolized Mr. Crowley. In fact, or Aleister Crowley, they even had a picture of him on one of their uh, album covers, Led Zeppelin. And they will quote what Aleister Crowley says, where he says, Do what thou will shall be the whole of the law. And so... He doesn't really say, do what thou wilt, don't harm me. He just says, whatever you want to do, do it. If it feels right, do it. And that's why, when it says here, when this, when this Buckland guy, I believe was that his name, when he brought witchcraft to America in 1960s, Raymond Buckland, what he brought with them was Aleister Crowley's philosophy of do what thou wilt will be the whole law. Where do you see that anywhere? Hey man, if it feels good, do it. Remember from the 60s? Well, that's where we get all that stuff. But see, they did it under the guise of like free love and all this other junk. They made it, they, they flower children and all this other stuff. They made it under the guise of something that, you know, they're just peace-loving, fun-loving, making love to one another pagans. It's just, it, all it was a, a revival of is modern-day paganism. And the rock music industry was integral in bringing that because the rock music industry particularly initially through really the Beatles were probably the main one, brought that same theme. And then there's all kind of other guys. I mean, if you're, rock, if you're in rock music industry, you've, from, from what I've seen, you've, you've essentially, especially if you've achieved a certain level, you've pretty much always made some type of pact with the devil. And I mean that literally. I mean that literally. Rock music is one of the main ways that all of this has come about. And if you doubt that, I'll email you some audios you can listen to from a guy named John Todd. Is that his name? And um, he did a series of interviews. He was very, very high, high level of cult and also the uh, main guy at one of these rock music producers. And he has some interviews that are just amazing where he talks about this. What they actually do to the albums prior to releasing them. How they put spells on things. And things of this nature. See, this is, this is the battle we're in. And so many Christians don't want to acknowledge this. They say, oh, it's, I'm just, 
whatever. But can they disprove it? I've never had anybody be able to disprove any of this that I'm telling you right now. I've got, I'm not just speaking out of turn and have nothing to back this up. If you study the occult religion, they'll flat out tell you. They're not trying to hide it from their own practitioners. Now, they're not going to advertise this in the front page of the newspaper. But if you study the religion, I'm telling you, it's common knowledge. So if we go further, it says, By most conservative estimates, there are 200,000 women and men practicing Wicca in the United States alone. Oh, I better end this right now because I'm already at 116. So I'm going to go ahead and go to part two right now.